Hello and welcome to this episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's uh, me, Justin Woolen, and you can contact the podcast by uh, email and you can email me at justin.woolen at cisco.com. That's two O's and one L. And you can also tweet me at, at Justin Woolen. So uh, I've got rid of Mark today, Mark Jackson, who is co-presenter, and we kicked him out because we do this every so often when we have something important to talk about that's not thing to do with, well, has a little bit to do with security. Though. So that's what uh, I've done today. And I've actually been joined by two other guests today. We've got uh, Rob Price. Hello, Rob. Hi, Justin. How you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Very well. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. So Rob is our partner CTO, Chief Technology Officer. That's a grand title. That's a big job. And I've known you for a long time, and I feel like I should be a bit more like sort of cowed down with the, with this eminence of, of lead, leadership of technology in the room. Yeah, don't big me up too much, Justin. I'm still <laughs> just me. It's still just you. <laughs> All right, then. And uh, Oliver Kenward. Ollie, as I know him. Hi, Justin. Good Hello, morning. mate. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Oh, I see. Now you're giving that away now. We actually recorded this in the afternoon. It's going to be really ambiguous on this podcast. Try and keep it mysterious. Keep it mysterious. Rob, what are we here to talk about? So, uh, in the humble opinion of this broadcaster, did you like that, by the way? You did, I did. It was good, wasn't it? Almost professional. Yeah, in yeah. the humble opinion of this broadcaster, perhaps the, uh, the most significant announcement that Cisco have made in my 17 years at the company. So, I've been here an awfully long time, and I can't remember a more significant announcement during that, that time. That is because, you I mean, I've been here 10 years, and... And for someone who's been, and that's the thing with Cisco, you sort of come to Cisco and you always bump into people who've been here for ages. And to see someone who's been around for such a long time and a senior person in the business to be saying, this is the, uh, such a significant thing. Uh, it's going to be pretty big. So, you I mean, I'm looking forward to this now because I'm yep. quite excited. So having teased you by saying it's a massive, you know, huge announcement, I probably should tell you what it is. And yeah, it's yeah, really, you, you know, Cis- Cisco is announcing uh, what we're calling a new era of networking. Um, and is based around our branding, which is the network intuitive. What does it mean? But why is it important? Why are we making this massive change then? Well, uh, for a number of reasons, really. I think the first thing is that if you look at uh, Cisco's direction of travel, travel for the last few years, everything we do is predicated around digitization and digital enablement. Digitization has become increasingly pervasive over the last few years uh, across our, you know, all aspects of our lives, whether it's at home or at work or you know, at play or anything else. But in, in the context of business, really now you know, it's very difficult to find businesses that are not either on that digital journey or planning to be on that digital journey. And in fact, I'd go further and say that any business that doesn't have some form of digital enablement agenda seriously risks being left behind by its competition who do. Um, I I heard a fascinating statistic the other day. Uh, The current run rate of things attaching to the internet is over a million an hour, which is quite startling. And, And yet, even with that, we're still short of getting to that 50 billion number that we've been talking about for a long time by the end of the decade. So yeah. that, rate, that rate of attack is going to have to increase and will undoubtedly increase. Yeah, and, and that Internet of Things or, or things connecting to the Internet, is, it's been around for a while and you sort of take it from the, um, the home and the consumer side of things and I always think about that myself. But when you think about organisations that need to disrupt themselves or, or become dis- digitally disruptive so they can compete and, and grow and be successful is quite challenging isn't it and having organizations that can and, and in the IT in, environment who can support them on that is going to be hugely important isn't it because it, the customers I speak to and they're all sort of going through this because you mean I, I cover public sector as part of my, my role in Cisco and they're all going through it so we're talking at things all from different sides of agencies through central government departments are all digitizing they're trying to make 
digital technology a way of making them more productive and you mean from a public sector perspective you mean do less with more do more with less funds and things like that so it's it's really challenging yeah, and again, there are a couple of aspects to that. Firstly, I mean, you're right, there's sort of optimising process or operational efficiency is one of the kind of horizontal outcomes that we seek to achieve with digitisation. The others tend to be workforce optimization yeah. and customer experience. And mm-hmm. pretty much every digital project that I come across falls into one or more of those categories. Yeah. Um, and again, when I talk about digitization, there tends to be two kind of key aspects to it. The first is the IoT, the Internet of Things, physically connecting things up. And as I say, we're already at a million things an hour as a run rate for connectivity and aiming for this mythical 50 billion things by the end of the decade. But that just that, that forces me to ask a question, and that question is, so what? What's the point of connecting all of these things together? Mm-hmm. And actually, if IoT is about connecting things up, digitization deals with the consequences of connecting things up. And the single biggest consequence of connecting all of those things together is you generate phenomenal amounts of data. And then the game really becomes, for that business that's trying to, you know, to drive an outcome from this, that, that the game then becomes, how do I acquire that data? So data mining, how do I analyze that data, get some useful you know, outcomes from it, and how do I apply that to drive a useful business outcome? Because that's, that's really interesting, because the thing that I, I hear a lot about is that companies can be very data-rich, intelligence-poor. So they have huge amounts of data, but they don't do anything with it, or they don't know how to do anything with it. Do you, What's your thought on that? Is that... Again, increasingly, it's a problem. It's already a problem, and it's going to become more of a problem as we acquire more data. You know, and and you know the the sheer volumes of data that we're going to um, that we're going to generate are just ridiculous. I mean, I, I read a, a, a something the other day in the press. Uh, General Electric's latest generation uh, jet engine has five thousand sensors on board, and when it's when it's operating, when the engine's running, it's generating ten gigabits per second of data. 10 gigabits 10 gig data. per second, yeah? It's not long ago that we were building our data center backbones using 10 gig technologies, and now you've got one jet engine on one airliner generating 10 gig per second. How do you possibly sift through all of that data and make some useful, you know, draw some useful conclusions from it and actually yeah. gain benefit from it being there in the first place? Otherwise, it's a waste of time. Yeah, that's going to be a massive challenge. So what are the challenges that we see in out there then? So... A few things again. So for me, the, the biggest challenge is that current networks, even very modern networks, are actually, uh, they've been both designed and implemented based on pretty time-honored principles. You know, the way we design and implement networks has not really changed fundamentally in many, many years. There's been evolution. We've introduced new features and capabilities, and, you know, and Cisco's been at the forefront of a lot of that work. But there's never really been revolution. So some of what we're going to announce, uh, you know, literally or have just announced is going to be pretty revolutionary in terms of the capability that it provides. So so when you say that point, though, when you go back to saying this is the biggest thing we've talked about, you've, you've, we've announced in the 17 years when it's Cisco, it's the thing that resonates with me then is that nothing's really changed in the last 17 years. We might have brought out new products, we might have brought new ways of doing things but this is a fundamental change to them to the market and Cisco's obviously going to be part of driving that change being one of the biggest networking companies in the in the in the world it's going right? to be well you obviously we're already that and we've been for a long time but yeah it's going to fundamentally um, change the capabilities that we can deliver so for me again there are there are a number of challenges one of those challenges is uh, networks are complex things I've heard people saying that we need to reduce the complexity of networking I'm not sure that's possible I'm not sure it's desirable um, and, I'm, and I'm not sure it's possible. I think, you know, it's about making that complexity more accessible. 
So, you know, there are complex capabilities and features and functionalities in networks that never get used. Take, take something relatively simple like quality of service. If quality of service gets implemented on a network at all, it's implemented when the network gets put in place. Yeah. And then it's never changed. You wouldn't consider at the end of a quarter, for example, changing the QoS priority on your CRM application because it's now higher priority for the business because it's too hard to access that capability. And nobody we, wants to mess around with the network, do they? And, with, and absolutely, there's the risk there that if you do mess around with the network you might just get something wrong and take the whole network down and now you're worse off than you were in the first place so actually that complexity whilst it's there and is really important is inaccessible part of what we're going to announce or have sorry part, part of what we've just announced will make that complexity much easier to access and bring that gap between the infrastructure and the applications much much closer okay so I think there are four challenges that current networks don't address particularly well. The first of those is security. How does your network, if at all, deal with an ever-increasing volume and sophistication of cyber attacks? Most networks yeah. don't particularly okay. well. Secondly, we're dealing with an increasingly mobile user population. And that user population basically want to be able to access their, their data and applications anytime, anywhere, via any device. Most networks, again, don't particularly cope well with that. The third thing is the IoT, the Internet of Things itself, mm-hmm. represents a, a, a huge number of additional devices, you know, orders of magnitude more devices going onto the network. And that sheer volume of devices, again, is going to be difficult for networks to cope with and brings the added complication of if you, if you attach tens or hundreds of thousands of devices to your network, you've just increased the attack surface, i.e. the potential number of places that the bad guy can penetrate your network by an order of magnitude or more. So yeah. that's a problem. And then finally, of course, you can't have a, you know, any sort of IT presentation these days without talking a bit about cloud. And what cloud does in this context is it means that the data and applications that those increasingly mobile users are trying to access are not all in one convenient place anymore. They're not, they're not sat in a data center at the hub of the network. They are all over the place. You, know, you, may, be, you may be accessing some data out on a, a public cloud provider like an AWS or an Azure. You may be accessing an application that's hosted by a, an IaaS provider. You may be using a software as a service platform like salesforce.com or webex and 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 it's probably going to be all of those things and again traditional networks don't cope particularly well with that challenge okay that sounds quite scary though isn't it but everything you said there i would totally agree with you mean with the tax service with iot and that's something we talk about regularly on this podcast obviously because mark jackson's our security guy um but then networks not being fundamentally able to change because people don't want to change them uh, and don't want to turn on those services. And I think there's sort of around about nine. I think about nine features people, people, customers turn on on their networks. And if they don't, like you say, if they don't turn on straight away when they when they deploy it, it never gets turned on. Correct. So there's huge amounts of it's like take, having a car and never taking out a second gear. Absolutely. And we, and we see this phenomenon again and again. And one of the things that Cisco's been driving for a while now is through our partners is. And, uh, to try to drive an increase in adoption of the technology. Cisco and our partners have always been great at selling the technology, the land part of the land adopt, expand, renew model. Yeah, yeah, that's, been, that's like an internal Cisco sort of framework that we sort of used. Wait, so it's actually it's not Cisco specific. It comes from a, a book called B4B, Business for Business, by Todd oh. Hewlin, was was the guy that postulated the LAR model. I didn't even model. know that. So there you go. I just so thought something, my, David, something new. David Goff on our my my illustrious leader tells me to t- talks that way, so I think it must be. Yeah. It must be our propaganda. Yeah. No, it's not our own propaganda, but it is something that we've increasingly adopted. And again, as good as we are at the land part of Land Adopt Expand Renew, we're actually quite poor at the adopt part. I, to, yeah. your, to your earlier point, a lot of the capability that we've sold to that customer 
never gets switched on. Yeah. And that's a crying shame and a waste and also a problem for us and our partners in that when you then come to have a discussion about that customer about renewing that technology, mm-hmm. they're less likely to do so if they haven't used it in the first place. That becomes particularly a problem when you consider much of what we're introducing in terms of technology and capabilities now is done through software. So if the customer doesn't switch it on, what's your chance of getting them to renew that license or that software support agreement in a yeah. year's time? It's much, much lower if you can't get them to adopt the technology. Okay, great. Um, so that leads me to think about all these challenges. So what's the answer? So great question. So, um, and that's really the purpose of the, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast today is to, is to talk about this absolutely fundamental announcement that we've just made around this, you know, this new era of networking and the network intuitive. So we're going to announce or have announced some new features and some capabilities. And then uh, at the end, I'll talk about a new platform that we're announcing too. So uh, in terms of features and capabilities, I want to talk about four things. The first of those is a thing called DNA Center. And what DNA Center represents is that single pane of glass view for a network administrator for automation, orchestration, policy, and control. So a single source of truth platform that you'll be able Mm -hmm. to go to where you'll be able to do all of those things that I've just mentioned, automation, orchestration, policy, and control. So that's point number one, DNA Center. Yeah, and DNA standing for Digital Network Architecture. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, it's all right. Lapsed into acronym city. So Digital Network Architecture is is DNA, absolutely. Which, again, Cisco's been doing for, what, about 18 months now. Mm-hmm. You know, since we announced it. We've been talking about it for a while, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the second uh, of those capabilities is a thing called Software Defined Access, or SDA. Yeah. Uh, and basically what SDA allows us to do is provide um, micro-segmentation on the network end-to-end. So, you, you know, people will be familiar with things like VLANs and MPLS, VRFs and VPNs, et cetera, et cetera, as ways to segment the network. What uh, SDA does is allows us to segment the network uh, based on users or groups of devices or functional requirements. You might, you might for example, have if you've got a, a digitally enabled smart building, you might very well group all of the, the building uh, operational systems like the lighting, the HVAC systems, mm-hmm. maybe the FISEC systems into a a logical group using SDA. What that does is, uh, firstly, it provides greater control, but secondly, again, we, we talked about that attack surface earlier. If you can micro-segment the network to a much more granular level, you can uh, prevent or at least minimize the ability for traffic to travel east-west across the network. So if someone penetrates your you know, your smart building system, they then can't use that as a hopping off point to get into maybe your, your payment card system and yeah. steal a load of credit card records. Yeah, because yeah, then you think about that from the WannaCry uh, attack that happened, it was that once a machine was infected, it then traversed inside the network so it didn't go through a firewall because it was already in there. It didn't go through an intrusion detection device because it was already inside. So having a network that's segmented, it wouldn't have stopped the infection, but it would have stopped the spread. Correct. And that's what we call east-west. Yeah. Travel, tra- yeah. Traffic traversing east-west. On the well, north-south, so, north, north, everyone talks about that for being going from, the, going from the... The, the computer or the end device in going out towards an application yeah. and, and back in yeah. again. Typically, north-south means out to in, so outside the network, yeah. through a firewall to yeah. inside, or vice versa, whereas east-west is traffic travelling in the network. And again, traditionally, if your firewall sits on the perimeter and something has got beyond the firewall and it's inside, there's very little to stop it traversing inside and infecting more and more devices as it does so. Yeah, okay. 
So that's SDA, that's Software Defined Access. Uh, the third thing that we're going to talk about is, is a new capability, and this one's pretty big. This is uh, called NDP, or the Network Data Platform. You're getting to this now. Yeah, getting, absolutely. You're, I'm, you're I'm, 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 I'm not letting it. you get me on the acronym. So, um, so yeah, NDP, or the Network Data Platform. And what NDP does, and, and, and I'm going to kind of, because most of our partners will, will be able to identify with this, I'm going to hark back to another technology that we introduced a couple of years ago called Tetration. And what Tetration does is provide hyperscale analytics in a data center environment. So the ability to to analyze you know huge numbers of traffic flows inside a data center and then use that information to create policy within the data center and enforce that policy ndp can be thought of as tetration for the enterprise network it's the ability to do flow based analytics at huge scale across your entire end to end enterprise network and use that information for assurance purposes so, so to assure that traffic is you know if it's high priority traffic stream you can use ndp to go okay well there's potentially you know, an issue here with the bandwidth, we need to do something about that. But it's all the intelligence that the, the network can provide. But it, again, when you talk about intelligence with data pool, that data has always been there to be mined. It's just never been pulled off in a way that will actually adds value back to the business. So I think there's two things there. Yes, that's true. There's always been access to some data in the network. I mean, Cisco switches have had uh, flexible NetFlow, for example, which provides yeah. a certain amount of that data for years. This takes this to a whole nother, whole nother level. The ability to, you know, to, to analyze every traffic flow. Now, we're not talking about analyzing the data. We're not talking about putting a sniffer on every single port of every single switch on the network and looking at user payload. Yeah. What we're talking about here is the flow. The you know, flow of data. The flow, you know, so that particular flow, which might be, you know, it might be a flow of Like data. a phone record of, of... If you like, yeah, a CDR, you know, yeah. a call detail record, but more than that, you know, the ability to look at a flow and say, right, this is a real-time video application, you know, telepresence, for example, and it looks like there might be some congestion at this point in the network and bringing all of that analytics together so that you can actually do something, do about, something it. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, rather than just going, oh, well, you know, that was congested. And a bit more in real time. Correct. In an absolute. I know in real time. time. Yeah, in yeah. Where, where before it would be, you we somebody might complain about oh I had a really bad video call and would then the network team might look back through and find out what it was. Yeah. But this being able to go in real time, I know that there's there's this flow of video traffic going across and it isn't working Absolutely. because of this. Absolutely. And now you can do something about it. Correct. And automating that process of fixing it yep. or. Well, potentially, yeah. So actually hooking back into that, that, you know, those automation and control points that we talked about earlier yeah. and actually using that to do something about it. Wow. That's good. Because that's, so we, we're talking about, so the DNA Center piece, if I just do a quick little recap, DNA centers are all around allowing people to have visibility of what, and that single point of glass to everything that's going on in their network. And control. And controlling it and be able to make that change that you was always a lot more complex Correct. to do on a manual basis yeah. and automating that. We've got uh, SDA, Software Defined Access, which allows us to segment in a real simple and easy way so you can protect yourself and segment your, your network to keep it uh, fully optimal and not to be attacked. Or when it is attacked, you're, you're isolating it really easily and, and containing that, da uh, that attack. And then we're talking NDP, which, which is the network data platform. Yep. Got it right. Well done. Um, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and that's around that analytics piece as well. Analytics for assurance purposes. Wow. Yeah. Also, right. I'm... I'm, I'm Scared to ask what's next. Okay, so there are a couple of more things. Uh, firstly, another another capability, and that is ETA. So ETA is encrypted traffic analysis. So it's now, not estimated time of arrival then? It's not the estimated oh, time of arrival. That's what I it's here now. Oh. Did you see what I did there? You're comedy gold. <laughs> so yeah, encrypted traffic analysis. Now, um, the, the statistics say that an increasing proportion of traffic on the internet is encrypted. Okay, yeah. and I, I read a, again another statistic recently that said something like 
almost 50% of all cyber attacks now use an encrypted payload to avoid detection. Right. Okay. So the you know if you don't have the ability to that's just get more that just sounds more scary now. Well, it's and, and you know and we live in this world, don't we? You know, if, if you'd have asked me a month ago what was the hot topic in cybersecurity, I'd have probably said GDPR, the General Data Protection yeah. Regulations. You're getting are, really good at this now. <laughs> that are due to come into force twelve months from now, next May. Um, then three weeks ago, obviously, WannaCry hit. And all of a sudden, ransomware was the hot ticket. And everyone was talking about it, and everyone still is. I'd like to say, we talked about this over a year ago on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've, you know, we Nobody obviously have known about this for, for a long time. But, you know, it's, it's suddenly become Until know, it front hits, of the public yeah, consciousness. Yeah. Because, it, you know, we're already seeing instances of cyber attacks affecting real things in the real world, damaging right. real assets. So yeah. there was a case from about a year ago in Germany of a, a steel mill. And the blast, one of the blast furnaces in the steel mill, someone compromised its control system. Well, hacked it. Hacked it. Hacked the control systems, uh, turned the blast furnace up to full power, and then disabled the control system so the people in the plant could not turn it off, and the blast furnace was physically damaged by cyber attack. Oh, my God. Now, the reason I'm quite... Apart from that, sounds astounding anyway. My dad was a steel worker, so right. yeah, so I knew. So yeah. I, yeah, oh my god. So again, the context to come back to the to the feature. So the context is a lot more of these cyber attacks are, are coming in encrypted, which makes it harder to detect them. Yeah. With encrypted traffic analysis, we're, we're combining a number of capabilities. Some capabilities embedded into some hardware, which we'll talk about in a minute. We're talking about existing technology with Cisco's um, network as a sensor using Stealth, stealth Watch, Watch, which came from the Landcope acquisition a couple of years ago. Yeah. And then combining that with uh, our Artificial intelligence, artificial and intelligence, artificial intelligence, to actually be able to analyze an encrypted traf- traffic flow and, ass- and assess with a high degree of certainty whether or not that traffic flow represents a threat. And here's the killer: you can do it without decrypting it. How do you do that then? Well, again, through a combination of all of those capabilities, you, you know, looking for patterns within the within the. Data. So even though even though it's encrypted, you can even though the that um, your data is encrypted, you can spot bad bad, bad traffic. Behavior correct without actually seeing without the need to physically decrypt that packet and look inside. We will be able to using again AI technologies and various other uh, techniques look at an encrypted traffic flow and go that's a threat. Block it. So it's it's the end of the day. It it just harps back to I just think of like retail, isn't it, where they can have cameras inside a store and they can spot somebody who hasn't stolen anything yet, but usually because of their behavior, they know they're up to something. Predictive, predictive analytics in that case. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. this is not dissimilar to that. Wow. So there you go. We've, we've now talked about a number of uh, capabilities, new capabilities, DNA center, software-defined access, uh, network data platform, and now encrypted traffic analysis, all of which will be delivered via software. Wow. So software capabilities. But then we're on to the, you know, onto the real crux of the announcement, which is, um, again, and this is why I think this is so important. I've been at Cisco for 17 years, and in all that time, this is the first time we've announced a brand new switch platform. Brand new. For the enterprise. I don't count Nexus, which obviously was in the data center space, but a brand new switch platform for the enterprise called the Catalyst 9000. Right, okay. Okay. The 9000? Yep. That sounds familiar to... Because we had the Nexus, have the Nexus 9000 in the data center space. Yeah. So that's our... So why why do we call that, why do we do that then? You'd have to ask the marketeers why it's called the Catalyst 9000, but I suspect that there is some synergy there with, with our flagship platform in the DC space is the Nexus 9000. Our flagship uh, switching platform in the enterprise space will now be the Catalyst, Catalyst 9000. Okay, that, that was what I was told. Yeah, there you absolutely. Go. And we didn't so even prep for that question. We're, we're, we? No, we didn't. You, know, you <laughs> threw that one at me, a little bit of a left field one there, but, you but know, you I think we got it. through it okay, didn't we? Yeah, you're all right, you're all right. So what is the Cat 9K? Uh, it's a new family of switches. Um, You're interviewing yourself oh, now. I know, aren't I? Yeah, you should, <laughs> you, I'll stop there. Do you want to ask me a question? Justin, so what, what's, the, the what's the Cat 9K? 
game, Rob. I'm glad you asked, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, three new switches, a range of a range of new switches. So there's a Catalyst 9300, and that will be our premium access switch going forward. So our, our edge switch yeah. uh, of choice will be the Catalyst 9300. The Catalyst 9400, which is a uh, distribution stroke core chassis-based switch family, so different chassis sizes. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, a Catalyst 9500, which is an ultra-high capacity core switch. Wow. So three three new um, yeah. sw- switch platforms so, in the Catalyst 9K range. So when are they all going to be available? Uh, it varies. Um, certainly, uh, first customer ship of some of those platforms will be virtually immediate. We have warehouses full of these things stacked up and ready to go. Lovely. Some of them, I think the 9500 comes a little bit later in the year. So okay. we're talking about sort of October, November, if I remember, if I okay. remember rightly. Um, just to give a, a, a very brief highlight on some of the um, some of the features and capabilities. So, firstly, some of the capability that we've already talked about, NDP, for example, and particularly uh, ETA, uh, will be inherent in the Cat Nine K because there is a hardware element. You, you can imagine if you're so, going to do. So that that means that NDP and ETA, so network. Uh, data platform. platform thank you and uh, encrypted traffic analysis Correct. are all uh, they, can they only happen with the Catalyst 9K yeah to an extent they can yeah I mean certainly a subset of the capability in some of those is available because again you've got things like NetFlow and you've got things like StealthWatch and, and you know and as I say that network is a sensor capability which already exists exists in, and they, they're already done in our Catalyst 3K 3K 4K 6K platforms yeah. Um, but yeah, this will significantly in hardware. Some of the capability embedded in hardware in the new 9K does not exist in any of the previous Switch platforms. Right. Okay. That answers the question. I Great. Think so. so we've got a brand new Switch. Are there any? So what are the key? Are there any other key capabilities in the 9K that we need to call out? I'd pick out a, th- a few things. Uh, okay. The first of those is um, the, the the whole 9K range will have a single iOS image across the range, single binary image. So there will be feature parity out of the box across the entire range. It won't be, uh, you can have this on the 9300, but it'll only be in the 9400 in six months' time. So it's a single binary image, which will vastly simplify you know, software upgrade strategies, for example. Right, so that's okay. point number one. Secondly, as as has always been the case with Cisco, uh, you know, relative to some of our competition, we still put an awful lot of emphasis on, on bespoke dedicated hardware. So the, the Cat 9K fa- uh, family is based on our class-leading uh, ASIC technology, which is called yeah. the UADP. What's UADP stand for? Unified Access Data Plane. Glad you asked me because I looked it up just before this started. So <laughs> actually, no, I didn't. It's not true. Um, so class-leading UADP. I can't imagine you not knowing wrong. <laughs> so UADP 2 is uh, the latest version of that unified access data plane ASIC technology and brings in um, a much higher degree of programmability. Because that's the thing about the UADP chip, because it's been around for a while, yeah, isn't it? it has. But it is that programmability of yeah. being able to go, I've got a chip, and I, I somebody had to explain this to me, because I've got a, a, a chip in my switch that I can, and for people who don't understand or maybe don't know, that when a piece of networking hardware is made, they create the ASICs, the application-specific integrated circuits. Oh my God, I got it right. And that, that's off the wing. That was off a, a wing and a prayer. Um, but they create them for just to do the same job forever, and it never changes. Yeah, and what we've done now is we've created a ASIC that can be reprogrammed to do something else. So when we invent something new. We don't have to go, right, okay, we can't do it anything older. We can re-spin that chip to make it do better and newer things. Well, not necessarily, not oh, re-spin. So re-spin, re-spin you know, like is, is yeah. a negative connotation. So actually, you're absolutely right. So in the, in the past, and, and in fact, even now, there's two ways that you can build, let's say you're going to build a new switch. You could build it using a generic processor, 
and you'll have a lot of flexibility there because if you want to change something you just reprogram that generic processor you know it might yeah. be an x86 or a risk or something like that the problem with that of course is that generic processor was never designed to do just that job and you will always hit a performance limitation so many many years ago the, the, the approach was taken if we want really high performance we will spin our own hardware right? we will create right, okay. a chip that does just that job it is designed to switch ethernet packages yeah. for example the problem with that, of course, is it's it's a lack of flexibility because if you spin that chip, and I've seen this happen in a previous life, um, one, one of uh, the companies worked for spun an ASIC for a switch and somewhere in the design process, a mistake was made and the chip was unserviceable, couldn't be used. And it added 18 months to the product launch. No way. Yeah because they had to re-spin the ASIC and it takes a really long time. So programmable ASIC technology, which is starting to come to the fore now, which is what UADP and now UADP2 represents, gives you the best of both worlds. You get the performance of a hardware-based bespoke chip spun for that job, but the ability to do a, a quite high degree of programming. So extra feature and capability uh, can be introduced simply by adding programming to that chip. Okay. So that's, that's um, again, pretty important. In a similar vein, though, uh, we're also introducing in the 9300 uh, x86. So there will be a generic uh, x86-type processor in each of these switches, which will allow either Cisco or, indeed, our eco-partners to develop third-party applications that will be able to run on the switch itself. So this has been uh, something that Cisco's talked about in the past. We've called it fog computing. And yeah, it's yeah, been available yeah. on some of our quite specialised platforms like the connected grid router, but never our mainstream enterprise switch platforms. And now, with the Cat9K, there'll be an x86, and there'll be obviously an API and potentially SDKs and API? application programming Thank interface, you. SDK, software developer kit. I keep doing it, don't I? Acronyms. No, 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 you're getting better at it. Um, and, uh, and that will allow much greater access to actually embed third-party applications. Now, from a partner's perspective, that's a golden opportunity because you can, you know, if you buy a 9300, for example, or any 9K switch and you sell it to your customer, anybody can do that. If you buy a, a 9300, add an application that you've written and sell it to your customer, you've just created some unique differentiation and that's yeah. gold dust for a partner. Yeah. And then I guess the final thing that I talk about is, you know, and there's bunches and bunches of new features, which I've not got time to go into today, no. but very, very scalable as a platform. You know, these platforms out of the box will support one gig, 10 gig, 25 gig, 40 gig, and with a roadmap to take us to 100 gig Ethernet, so in, in the enterprise. And again, comes back to that point that I made earlier. As more and more devices proliferate and more and more data gets generated, we're going to need the horsepower to be able to ship it around and analyze it, et cetera, et cetera. Crikey. That's a lot of stuff. Absolutely. You can see why it's been a big it's a big announcement, the big thing to happen in the seventeen years you've been at Cisco. Wow. So just to summarise up then, we've talked about DNA Center, which is your window of automation and control. We talked about software defined access, which is your segmentation and automation of that. Um, the network the network data platform is all about your analytics and getting more information from the network and you get even more information from the nine K switches from what you were saying. The, the uh, encrypted traffic analysis, which is something specific to the 9K, where you can uh, you can understand bad behavior from the traffic analysis with, without having to decrypt traffic. That's right. And then you've got the 9K itself. So there's going to be a, a 9300, uh, Catalyst 9300, which is going to be the uh, access premium. I like the way you said premium. Sort of puts it in the right category, doesn't it? Um, uh, 
uh, not value. <laughs> it's not. Value. not well, it's it not, has value. A lot it has value, but it's not the value in the value section of the of the networking uh, supermarket. Um, so it's the premium switch uh, for the uh, axis layer. Then you've got a a 4K, which is our chassis. Uh, 9400. 9400. See, yeah. see, I see. I'll just drop in the nine altogether straight away. So it's the 9400, which is chassis based, and then you've got the 9500, which is a high density. Um, tank, no, it'd be higher than that, wouldn't it? Be hundred gig. It'll be. It has it not not out of the box day one. It, day one, it will go up to forty gig. Forty gig, but with a roadmap to hundred later on. Oh, and brilliant! That's a high capacity, really high horsepower backbone uh, core switch. Brilliant! Wow, that's been a lot of stuff. Now, the reason for this podcast, then, have you covered everything you needed to cover? Did you? Right? Yeah, I think so. You sure? Yeah. Oh, good. That's right then. Because the reason we are here today is to talk about partners, because you are the CTO for our partner organisation, and we're joined by. Uh, Oliver Kenward. Hello, Ollie again. Hello again. It's like you've been sat there, been really good and quiet. I've been drinking in the knowledge. Drinking from, it uh, in. From Mr. Price. Yeah. I feel smarter already. Well. Which isn't difficult. Well, it, you mean, even if a bit of it rubs off onto you there, mate, you it's will be you'll be in, in, incredibly smarter than you were at the start of the podcast. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right then, so Ollie, what are you, so this is all about partners today. So what what is it that we need to make sure that our partners understand and get the best value out of these wonderful things that Rob's talked about in his 17 years at Cisco this is the biggest announcement that Cisco's ever made so this must be a massive change for our partner partners and our partner organization and our, our, what the partners need to do huge huge change for our partners big big change for us big change for our partners we are not successful without our partners understanding what we're doing. I thought you were going to say we're not successful in stock then. Well, that might be a personal comment, but uh, (laughs) as a company, everything we do is through our partners. If our partners aren't enabled around our latest and greatest, then we can't take that innovation to our customers, which is ultimately what we want to do. So, my role at Cisco, um, and I cover all of our I'm really glad you did that because I totally forgot to introduce you I thought I'd weave that in seamlessly and save you the embarrassment, but... um, I cover all of our architectures here at Cisco, and my, my primary function is to make sure our partners know what we're releasing and can turn that into solutions for their customers that deliver some element of value. So helping them create their story and take that onto customers to drive some success for them. So it's quite a unique role in Cisco. Um, it's good to be here today as part of this, uh, this intuitive it's good to have network you on, launch. Mate. I'm absolutely honoured, though. I did think it's about your 30th podcast, and I've literally just got the invite. Which, uh, anyway, <laughs> so big, big launch for Cisco. Big opportunity for our partners as well, like Rob said. So first it's to make sure our partners know what we're doing and then how do they take that to, to their customers and do that in a profitable way. Um, I was reading a document I, I do read. Um, you looked very surprised when I said that. Gartner recently released something called the Strategic Roadmap for, for Networking. It's a six or seven page document on their predictions of, of where the networking Can is going. Can you run that, that large document into a couple of seconds? Then? I'm going to turn it into one sentence for you. I'm going to well save, save you half an hour. So their call out for customers and, and for vendors is absolutely, you know, make that network simpler, make it more agile and make it more automated. Yeah, that is the call out from Gartner on where the way networks should be going. And I think this release absolutely ticks all those buttons. So we heard a lot about automation and, and software from, from Rob and yourself in previous podcasts. And that will absolutely change how our partners make money, how they drive their business. Automation and software will drive a lot of simplicity. And in the past, I'm sure our partners listening will agree, they've made a lot of money from the complexity that Cisco and the IT industry have, have created around them. So if we're taking or abstracting some of that complexity, how are they gonna make their money in the future? So we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about that today. But for me, the next generation partner, or, or kind of partner 2.0, to use the, the industry speak. Oh, you like that one, didn't did you? He, did you start that one? You like that one. Um, they're going to drive profitability in a very different way than our partners have in, in the last 10 years or so. And to do that, they're going to need a very different skill set. And what we'll kind of deep dive on that should be, but it will be centered far more on, on software, um, a lot more programmability, 
actually a lot more, a lot less on the technology and more on being far more customer centric and creating and solving new problems for, uh, for our customers, whether that's in a certain horizontal or a, or a vertical manner. So we'll start to see partners looking a little bit different in the, part, in the future. Um, and our partners will move at different speed. We've got thousands of partners in the UK. It's a real strength for us, but they're all different size, shapes. They serve different markets, and they yeah, will move. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's some great partners speeds. out because we. I used to work in the a long time ago in the partner organisation, and, and you do meet some great partners that are big, little, medium sized. And they, yeah, so they've all got value and, and, a, and a place in our partner ecosystem. Aren't yeah, they? and our job is to help them make those changes, right? Um, I think we'll talk around three of those areas today. So I've come up with Ollie's three S's. Of Ollie's success. three S's. Trademark. Okay. <laughs> Ollie's three S's of success. Um, so they are skills, services, and sales. And, and there's kind of right the changes that the partners have to make and that we'll be working with our partners with around those three areas. So we'll take kind of a few minutes to, to walk through all of those. That's okay with you. That's Justin. fine. You, you're on the podcast. We've got as long as you... As you, as you, as you, as you you've got as long as you want. Perfect. I'm going to keep it pretty brief. So we'll start with, with skills. Um, and in the networking space, as I think Rob touched on earlier, we've, we've kind of delivered incremental technological benefit over time as we release a new product. You know, if you take wireless, for example, you know, we went from 11N to 11AC. Kind of delivered the same function, did, did a little bit faster. Was, was it revolutionary? Yeah, yeah. it's just to, more, to I mean, you've got a new product coming out there, faster, quicker, smarter, whatever. Exactly. And the partners just bring them on board and go out and deliver the same thing, but with new, quicker bits of tin. I Quite right. I get in trouble saying that, but... We can say that. We can be pretty honest on this point. Well, we should be. I hope so. Let's do it. Let's keep okay. that going. Okay. Um, but what we're seeing here, you know, the way a network is designed and operated is going to be very, very different. And the skill sets and the jobs and the roles our partners and our customers take in managing that over time will be very different as well. So the environment today will require that partners, they still have to know that the traditional EN portfolio, right, the enterprise networking portfolio, that that's still going to be there in the background. But we kind of need them to upskill more around those, those software elements. And some mm. of those exist today and partners we're pretty familiar with identity services engine that, that Rob touched on, the role that plays in policy and security. We need people to become sort of ninjas in that policy engine of the, of the networking space. Policy engine ninjas. There we go. That's what we need, isn't it? We need people <laughs> who can understand how that software works, how it interacts with, with the rest of the network. We talked about you know, the DNA center as kind of the, the one place to rule all of those. We've touched on, on APIC in previous podcasts around you know, how do you automate a network and how do you deliver some of that intent from a business level into, into networking language. There are areas that we really need to, to help our partners skill up. And that's where the real opportunity is. And let's be honest, it's not in selling the bits of tin that, that kind of carry out the intent mm -hmm. of that software. Yeah, when we start to sell that software, that's real kind of high margin business for our partner. It uses Because it's their value though, isn't it? It's, it's their value of, 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 it's not just about, I can take a piece of Cisco equipment, install it, configure it, and then support it. As in, if it breaks, you give me a call. Mm -hmm. This is about real, the value of their people, it of, is. Have it, of being able to have the skills to be able to learn how to, or to, to program a network, automate a network, allow the customer to meet those digitization challenges that Rob's talked about earlier on today and be able to deliver them really quickly and easily and consistently and without human error. Yeah. So, that, so that's quite, that, I mean, talking about this big thing of this launch and everything like that and how big it is, I mean, that's the change in the market though and our partners are fundamental to be able to do it. If they, if they have these skills, then that's going to be really positive. But equally for us, it's about rewarding partners that develop those skills. Oh. If you look at a lot of our programs, they are designed to help partners sell in that land phase that, that we touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. you, you'll see a lot more coming from Cisco to reward partners about driving success for customers and getting these types of technologies 
both in place and driving value. So you'll see some of those changes coming from Cisco as well. So lots of education around the launch, about the, the four features and the, and the hardware platform that Rob talked around today. So what's got, what's, what, what kind of training? What, what exciting kind of stuff's coming up? Um, we've got a series of, of what we call partner interactive webinars, so you can access those from anywhere, mobile device, laptop, wherever you want to. Um, they start June the 22nd. And how do they find out about them then? Do you just go into cisco.com? So there will be emails coming out from, from the Cisco team, so partner account managers, partner SEs. Look out for an email, contact you at the podcast. Justin Woolen, Cisco.com, two O's, one L. Thank you. No problem. You've listened a couple of times, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, many time listener, Long first time, time contributor. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we also do in-person roadshows. So web-based stuff is great for, for kind of scaling. If you really want to get deep dive and come and have a, some time with the experts, we've got a series of roadshows around the UK starting June 27th. Um, and again, you know, keep tuned from your, your Cisco SEs and distributors for, for And your partner for account managers, I'm sure they'll be sending Partner account managers are, are on the case as well. So there's kind of development of those more traditional Cisco skills with, with a mix of a bit more software in there. Um, and Rob touched on it with the programmability piece. That there's a real need to develop new skills in our partners as well. Mm-hmm. Our partners have absolutely fantastic you know, network engineers in their team that know networking inside out. What they haven't necessarily had to have in before is skills around software and programmability. They're very different languages in terms of how you go and deliver things. We're making a real investment in that through... Um, a program we've got called Cisco DevNet. So hopefully yeah. a, lot, a lot of the listeners will be fairly familiar with it at the moment. If you're not, we'd absolutely encourage our partners to start upskilling those people. Because so on there is loads of training, isn't it? And it'll take you from, for someone like myself, who used to be a networking uh, systems engineer, mm-hmm. to ha- do, who doesn't have programmability skills, actually take you through from not having skills to learn about it and then actually yeah, be able to You can start from scratch. There's value in it if you've got experience as well. So you've got tutorials in there. You know, very active forums so you can speak to other engineers about how they're doing it, sandbox environment so you can test things out that you're programming without you know, making a mess of a real life network. Um, you'll hear a lot more from, from DevNet in the coming months and years from Cisco as well and you can reach that on developer.cisco.com. So that's kind of the skills piece. We need more software skills, training come up around that, lots of stuff come up around the launch and think about developing those new um, unique software programmability skills as well. Okay. That, that we can't, they can't be replicated by someone else. As you touched on, the expertise is in the people. So start empowering your people for this new world that's... Uh, and it is that, that generational change though. If you start, the, I mean, and the thing that always comes to mind is sort of you think about sort of the the, um, the industrial revolution that happened a long time ago, <laughs> long before my time. But the thing is that is that people thought that it was going to be, oh my God, machines are going to take over, we're all losing our mm-hmm. jobs. But it's actually more people are employed. If I got this right, I might be wrong. I'm caveating that. But more people were employed after the industrial revolution because they, they need people to maintain, install, run this machinery. So it's this now, this is like network revolution of people who have skills in configuring, designing, deploying networks need to look at adapting their skills and and enhancing their skills to around programmability and automation. Well, and these, these are very smart people you're talking about. What do you about. think, Rob? Do you mean, is, would, would you say that? Because you've been, you mean, you're a you mean, 17 years of Cisco. I think we've said that about five or six times now. But do you agree with that? Or what's your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree with it. As I said earlier, it's, it's about accessing that complexity. So networks are becoming increasingly programmable. And one of the, one of the ways that will manifest itself, for example, is we talked earlier about giving access to more complex capabilities, maybe like quality of service. But what we didn't actually say was you might actually get to the point where you don't need to do that because the application itself will be able to ask the network for what it wants. 
well, that's only going to happen if, if, you know, if there's a, a really close alignment between the network and the applications and some very smart people somewhere have enabled that via software and programming. So, yeah, programmability is going to be key for the network. But those engineers need to be able to understand how to create that program Absolutely. and link those applications together. So it's Correct. not just about going away and configuring a network for quality of service. It's about understanding how quality of service is being deployed, but having that knowledge, but having the knowledge to be able to connect via software, an application to tell a network to change itself automatically. Absolutely. And, and again, let me just give you a quick example of that. So about probably two years ago, so we, we've had a, um, a software-defined networking controller platform for the enterprise for at least the last couple of years called the APKM, which many of our partners will be Application familiar. Policy Infrastructure Controller dash Enterprise Module. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it's full marks, Mr. You've said that a few times before. Yeah, I have said yeah, that a lot absolutely. of times. <laughs> He's got it written down in front of him for anyone who's wondering. Oh, but just, just <laughs> um, so we, we've had um, we've had the APKM for a couple of years, and I saw a demonstration again, probably two years ago, of our and we'll test you again, CUCM. Cisco Unified Communication Manager. Yeah, which people know as Call Manager, so yeah. our call control platform. It's been around for a long time, but CUCM actually calling up. Uh, a specific quality of service profile for a telephone call. So it would go to APKM and say, I'm about to place a call between point A and point B. Can you set up the quality of service, please? Well, that's just a, a very small window into the future that we're heading into, where applications will be able to call the network and say, I'm about to set up X. Please give me the necessary attributes, and it might be quality of service or path selection or reliability mm -hmm. or jitter or whatever it happens to be to allow that to happen. But more importantly also, what if the network doesn't have the required um uh, resources. What if I'm sending or planning to send 4K video to the network and the network goes, uh, actually, please don't do that because I haven't got the resources. But if you only send me 1080p video, I can actually cope with that. Ah. We've never had that in the past. In the past, the application would have blindly sent 4K video, which would have come across as very poor quality because the network couldn't cope with it and probably would have screwed up other applications at the same yeah. time. Now we've got that interaction between network and application. Those days are gone. But that thing that you've just talked about and making it sound so easy inherently needs people and the people in the partner community to be able to understand that Absolutely. and be able to program it yeah. and, and make, make that happen. Which also comes back to the point I made earlier. We are not eliminating complexity. We're making it more accessible. It's yeah. a fundamental difference. I don't think, yeah, and I agree with that point. I think the complexity is not moving. I think that the complexity is moving. It's always still as complex. You still need really bright people within our partner community right. just to do, not to be the programming guy or the architecture guy, or as in configuring a, a piece of network architecture, yep. to actually be the guy thinking, right, how does this application going to work? How is it going to work on the network? And how do I make the network to dynamically change, to adapt, to deliver great, customer experience or user experience and that's that fundamental thing that you're saying ollie is is, is about having the skills to, to be able to deliver that absolutely it's just get ahead of that curve right you know, develop those skills make sure that they're ready for customers to to rock and roll with okay um, sorry i just went off on one then because i just thought it was it's all good stuff so that was that was kind of s number one around skills we've only got number one. Oh wow yeah you're one of three the joys you have ahead Yay. of you you've got another two to go <laughs> number two is around you know services and, and quite candy this is our the biggest opportunity for, for our partners. I was speaking to someone from our, our AS team recently. They said, for everyone services, that is. So they're the people services. who go away and, and, and help partners and customers deploy new complex technologies. Correct, yeah. So for every $1 spent with Cisco Advanced Services, we see those customers spend an additional $7 on, on products okay. and an additional further 4 on services. 
So where we lead with services, and we have services built in from, from day one uh, and mapped to the customer journey, we, we see an 11 to one pull through for a dollar of Cisco services. So if you flip that to a, a partner perspective, if they spend, every time a, a customer spends a dollar with them to deliver new digitization services around this new new era of networking and all the things we've talked about today and the uh, this network intuitive thing, they will pull through a huge there's amount more revenue. Yeah, there's that, opportunity that, for them. Yeah, yeah, that relies on our partners developing and, and building the right service mix that's going to be useful around this this yeah. solution stack. Okay. And lots of those partners have that. You know, lots of partners have an absolutely phenomenal services business. Lots of partners lead with services today. We've got lots of partners who, who have a slightly different journey and engagement with their customers, and that's absolutely fine. But we have to help our partners develop or build or complement those right service mixes around things like advisory service, the traditional implementation services. So that will look a bit different in the world we're talking about here. Still the, the managed services area, the adoption area. You know, that, that's a $100 billion global total addressable market in those sort of four service buckets there. Uh, and I think that's just where we should be spending our time and be a bit more proactive with partners and helping them develop the right services for what we're talking okay. around here. And we're doing some things to help them do that. Yeah, uh, that so was how are we helping a, them? A couple. So firstly, this is a very consultative story. We're going out and talk to customers who are thinking about how they embrace automation or how they want to be more secure. Now, they are looking for guidance from an expert in how to do that. Um, one of the things that we've built that's available to our partners free of charge is something called the, the DNA Advisor Tool. So the Digital Network Architecture Advisor Tool. Uh, that partners can use in that consulting phase with customers. It takes some Cisco knowledge. It's built in partnership with, with IDC. Um, so there's some smarts from, from external professional services company in there already. And you walk through this sort of consultative questionnaire with, with a customer and it will place them on a five-stage model from best effort, you know, very manual network, all the way up to software-driven, fully automated network. And wherever you are on that stage, it will give you a comparison to other customers in your industry. So it'll kind of say where you are in your vertical, other companies of your same size. So are you performing better or worse than in a couple of different key technology areas? And it'll also start to give you some ROI benefits. So if you move from phase two to phase four, for example, what would that mean in terms of cost saved or quicker services being delivered? So very tangible things that our partners can start talking to customers about and that's really and helpful for a customer, though, isn't it? When you think about putting absolutely. a customer for, for the front of this, yeah. it's allowing them, it will help them to envisage how successful they could be through digitization. It's just a great place to start, right? It's not to quantify the today and the tomorrow. And then the conversation is clearly, how do we get you from, from A to B in the way that suits your yeah. business the best? So a DNA advisor tool is, is available to, to our partners to use and to complement their existing kind of consultancy services. Secondly, it's something we call DNA service vouchers. Um, and through this, we will actually pay partners to go and deliver some of the services that we talked around today and other DNA services. Wow. Pretty great promotion from Cisco, right? Oh, it is, We it? want our customers to be successful and we want them to be using software from Cisco. So we're our partners who have the applicable uh, certifications, sell um, Cisco software suites like Cisco One, um, like enterprise agreements, we will provide them with funding to go and activate. To go and turn those. So, so that's uh, yeah. going back to that land, adopt, expand, review. This is around the adopt piece now, making sure yes. customers can and partners adopt Absolutely. those services. And while that's great, we'll give them a bit of funding to go and turn on those, those services. The real opportunity for them is once they've got that up and running in a certain part of the network, they're going to find way more opportunity in the next weeks and months as that software starts to prove its value or that partner mm -hmm. starts to cement their relationship it will suddenly be, well, okay, you've got that working in 10 of our branches. 
what about the other 100 that we've got? So there's real opportunity for partners to start building on that. Um, and those service vouchers are available today when you're selling the, the right software suites from, from Cisco. And thirdly, we've got a program called the Lifecycle Advisor Program. Mm -hmm. And that's really to help partners build those day two services. So that's around uh, adoption, expansion, and renewal services. So we touched on earlier, we reward people for, for selling stuff from Cisco. What we want to start rewarding people is for, for customer success and building mm -hmm. those right customer success metrics and teams in their organizations as well. Um, so Lifecycle Advisor is kind of service number three that's available. All those things available today from Cisco, speak to your partner account manager, get yourselves involved and make the most of uh, the capabilities and the profitability to come from, from that sort of technology as well. Um, third and finally, S number three, it's gotta be about sales, right? We can't have a, a podcast of partners out talking about how we help them sell more from Cisco, ultimately what we all wanna be doing. And there is just a huge opportunity for partners based on the success they've driven with enterprise networking technologies in the past. We have you know, thousands, tens of thousands of customers in the UK that have enterprise networks kit that's aging in their infrastructure already. Um, a lot of that is gonna be getting to, to sort of last day of support within the next two years, 2017 mm -hmm. to 2019 in particular, we see a huge opportunity of just aged networks. And while they may be running okay, and a lot of them are still under support contracts, they just can't do some of the things that Rob talked about in his digitization opening. They're not going to be able to connect you know, X more things per hour to that network. They don't have the security visibility. So there's real reasons for people who want to be refreshing those networks so they can stay responsive to, to their business. So it's inherent on us and our partners to go and have the right conversations with them. Go and so it's about basically, and for the customer point of view though as well, isn't it? It's basically helping the, part, helping the customer to know that there are partners out there and, and guiding the partners to those customers who are going to need that help. When their networks are going to be coming into support and they'll be able to we're proactively helping our, our partners go, af go out and help those customers. I think the proactive piece is, is key, um, but it's also, it's, we're not saying here for our partners to go and knock on the door of their customers and say, hey, look, you've got some old hardware, can we replace it with some new stuff? Mm -hmm. But that conversation doesn't really fly these days. You know, budgets are, are very tight. Uh, I think the days of selling, you know, purely selling IT to IT people mm -hmm. are, are decreasing, right? They're not, they're not gone. The IT organizations and our customers still are an absolutely central point, but we are seeing line of business taking over more technology decisions either going around the it department or leading those decisions right and having their own budget to spend so yeah. you know big call out that we ask our account managers to do and we're asking our partners to do is to develop more of those line of business skills mm -hmm. you know start to get conversant in having a conversation with a hr person or a real estate person or talk a, outside of you outside of IT, exactly yeah. and there's a lot of fear about that for, for some people because they're, they're kind of built to have IT conversation. But, yeah, yeah, but quite yeah. often just having a normal conversation about technology but what that business is trying to do is actually a lot simpler. Yeah. Rob? And I, th I think it's worth really re-emphasizing the point that Ollie's just made because I think it's one of the most important points perhaps in this whole podcast. Um, digitization is a reality. Our customers, all of our customers are going through this digital enablement journey. Um, the end of sale thing, I've seen numerous, you know, Cisco campaigns around, yeah. you've got equipment that's going end of sale, buy some new stuff. There's never really been a sort of a compelling reason why other than, well, it's, you know, it's old, it's end of sale, buy some yeah. new stuff. And the, the problem is we're the victims of our own success because Cisco technology is very reliable. So the customer goes, well, it's working, it's doing everything it needs to do, why would mm. I want to change it? What we've actually got now is a 
compelling reason why. And it is around capability to digitize your business. And is your existing network up to mm -hmm. that job? And generally speaking, as we mentioned earlier, most current generation networks are not going to cope well with those demands. So we've now got the, you know, we can go and approach that customer and say, look, you've got some equipment going end of sale, but here's a compelling reason why you should consider replacing yeah, it. Or going and speaking to the customer and finding out what that compelling reason is. As Absolutely. In what's their business plan? What is their, what's their organization's plan for digitization? Maybe they don't have one and maybe we can, and then the partner can help them have that one. Absolutely. How can right. they, yeah. And quite well, often you can find the information online, right? public reports, websites, learning about what's happening in that industry. So there's you know, a, a different conversation to be having different people in the mm -hmm. customer. There's probably also some, some kind of smarter account profiling we can do yeah. overall. And we've kind of got this three-stage model at Cisco, right? First is around discovery, and that's some of the things we've just talked about. You know, expand your footprint in the account and um, what's happening in that industry. Kind of get some of those business mm -hmm. reasons for having a technology conversation. You team that with some of the information that we can provide our partners on what that customer's already got in play. Um, we can provide sort of smart install-based reports for people that will tell you what do they have. Is it under support? Is it not? When does that kit go last day of sale, last day of support? And then you can start to map those things together, right? Yeah. If, you, if you know that that customer's on a drive to compliance or wants to have a real push to recruit the best talent from universities, but actually you know, the, the network that they have can't marry those two things together. Mm -hmm. There's a smarter conversation that we can be having around that. And as Rob touched on earlier, you know, we're, we're data rich, intelligence poor. We've got lots of data at Cisco we can help our partners with. So reach out to us and we can help you interpret that data and find out where that opportunity is for, for yourselves. But then also kind of showing the technology. We spend a lot of time at Cisco, or we used to spend a lot of time at Cisco, running customers through reams of PowerPoint, right, about our new products and what it can do for we them. We love PowerPoint at Cisco. In the world of software though, right, you know, the demonstration is, is king. So yeah. how do we help? drive a far more proactive sales engagement that, that's more visual and more empowering. Yeah, and I'd partners. definitely say that using those demo tools that are available to us, but also our partners as well, this year I used my PowerPoint less mm -hmm. and present and demoed more. Mm -hmm. And it allows it to be a lot more ad hoc, I would say, because you can go and have a, dem a chat with the customer and go and talk about some of this stuff and be able to go, do you know what, I'll jump online now and show you it. But think about the old way that we used to do it before we had dCloud and dCloud's our, our demo platform that's that's always on the free. I thought you were going to go real back to the old days when you'd have to bring customers into a proof of concept lab. What, when you and I used to work in in the commercial team together, if if someone said that we want to go and have a demonstration of, of Cisco Prime or something, you know that was okay. Right, go go and find an engineer. We'll kind of get this lab booked, and it yeah. would take you know, multiple weeks of kind yeah, of having yeah. someone physically get into the space. And it was very slow, you know, it gave time for maybe the competition to get in or to mm -hmm. kind of lose the, the the need for having that conversation so quickly. So dCloud, always on, free of charge. We spend a lot of time with our partners, enabling them around that. If you're not using it proactively, please get to know it. Um, the technology we've been talking around today, particularly uh, SDA is, is in there and ready to rock, uh, demonstrable to our partners. But it also means actually, partners can probably reduce their investment in building their own labs. Yeah, why do I need to do it when Cisco's already Which is me difficult, to... right? There's a yeah, cost yeah. to doing it. You've got to maintain it, manage it. So um, we'll do that for the partners. D, D Cloud's there to do it. Fantastic technology. Um, and then thirdly, it's kind of the, we found the business need. We've convinced them by demonstrating that technology. How do we get it over the line of, of closing that deal? And a lot of the pushback that you often get given the, you know, the economic environment we're operating in, is that we just don't have that money available right now, right? Or we're moving from CapEx to, to OpEx. We want to move into a subscription-type licensing. And we, we've got great tools like EasyPay, the rest of the capital team that can help people do that. 0% yeah. you know, financing, make that technology easier to consume, 
do it now. We can take some of the risk out of that for partners. We can be fairly flexible in how we do it as well. So lots of tools there to, to help. But I think on the sales side, it's really, how do we be a little bit smarter about having those business conversations? How do we demonstrate the power of the technology and how do we help make it a, a, a financially consumable product from Cisco? So okay. they were kind of the three S's. The three S's. Skills, services, sales. And um, it's the Ollie three S's. There we go. It needs, it needs its own jingle, right? Um, I'll see how I can find one. But I guess <laughs> call out from uh, from me in terms of next steps for those that are listening. Firstly, get get to know the technology. It's it's a massively important launch that we're making. Um, get involved with the training, whether that's the online training or the in person training. Coming to a, a town near you. Get in touch with your your partner SE or partner account manager if there's certain things that you want to get stuck into straight away. We'll make sure that that happens. Have a renewed look at your your service capabilities. Have a bit of an analysis of where you are today and where you want to be around some of these technologies and, and look to build and make sure that they're there ready for the customers. Get involved with, with DevNet. Um, and thirdly, work with your partner account manager to, to understand where those opportunities lie. We've got that data ready to roll. Um, ask us for what you need and we'll make sure that, that happens. Brilliant. And I tell you what, from a personal point of view, there's nothing as more satisfying as when you're working with a customer on helping to drive a digitization uh, project or opportunity than having a partner with you or working with 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 myself who's totally on board has the skills is more than just a, a safe pair of hands but is a an innovate an innovator of, of a partner that really helps to drive the vision that we when we go meet a customer the first time we, we pitch this vision of digitization and um, this new era of networking and having networks are so much more intuitive and when we sell that vision, it's great to have a partner there who go, do you know what, they, they're going to be able to deliver this for that customer. And there's nothing more satisfying than that. Absolutely. Yeah, really exciting time for Cisco. Super exciting opportunity for our partners. And I guess you know, Rob, Rob and I and the rest of Cisco team are, are sort of here to help. And we look really, really excited to work with people on it. Rob, thank you very much for your time today. Justin, it's been a pleasure. Oh, first time podcaster. And, and both, both first time podcasters today. It's great. So if you've got any questions, and I tell you what, if you don't, then there's something wrong because we've talked about some amazing stuff today. Uh, but you can contact the podcast uh, via me at email on justin.woolen at cisco.com to Oswinell. Or you can tweet me at, at justinwoolen or uh, contact your partner account manager because they'll be there to help or any of the other SE team. Thanks very much. And thanks for listening.